Hello, it's Tax Credit Tuesday. I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is the Novogratik Report on Tax Credits, a weekly podcast covering topics of interest to the renewable energy, community development, and affordable housing communities. Today is Tuesday, July 1st, 2008, and this week we'll discuss the highlights from the National Council of State Housing Agencies Tax Credit Conference held in Miami last week. We also have updates on the ongoing legislative efforts to enhance the loan housing tax credit and to extend certain energy tax credits. Before we begin today's discussion, I invite listeners to submit feedback on previous podcasts or topics for future Tax Credit Tuesday discussion podcasts. Listeners can contact us regarding the podcast online at www.novaco.com or by sending an email to cpas at novaco.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Now let's start with today's first topic, a look back at some of the highlights from the National Council of State Housing Agencies Housing Credit Conference that was held last week in Miami. NCSHA calls its annual housing credit conference and marketplace event the Super Bowl of the industry. This year's credit conference featured panels on a range of topics from compliance issues to the congressional agenda. In many of these sessions, the expert panelists and audiences of industry professionals also discussed several recurring themes. They included the drop in LHTC equity pricing, ongoing LHTC compliance in the 8823 guide, and the housing stimulus package that includes LIHTC enhancement legislation. In recent months, the LHTC equity market has been the subject of intense discussion and analysis, including on this podcast. At the NCSHA conference last week, panelists and attendees discussed the events that led to today's current market conditions. While some media reports suggest that the shift in the LHTC market began with the disruptions in the credit markets caused by the subprime mortgage crisis, Many believe that the initial changes began a few years ago when yields began to fall. At that time, investors, such as many banks that invested in local housing tax credits primarily to satisfy Community Investment Act, or CRA, obligations, started to back away from LHTC investing because yields were no longer attractive. But because Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac had expanded their activities, the impact of CRA investors' absence from the market was less apparent. Then, when Fannie Mae backed away from the LHTC market last year, the result exacerbated by the fact that corporate and CRA investors were already less involved was a precipitous drop in prices being paid for low-income housing tax credits. Looking to the future, the consensus among NCSHA attendees and the LHTC industry at large is that the LHTC investor market was and continues to be very dynamic and that yields must increase to entice banks and corporate investors to return to the market. Turning from the equity market to a focus on compliance issues, we have news direct from the Internal Revenue Service. IRS Compliance Program Analyst Grace Robertson reported on the state of LHTC compliance, the 8823 Guide, and IRS audit activities. Ms. Robertson said the IRS is working on a number of pending updates and corrections to the current version of the 8823 Guide, including, but not limited to, fixing typos and correcting citations, adding more examples, and incorporating the final regulation for utility allowances, which the IRS is scheduled to publish shortly. She also announced that the IRS is planning to release a new Audit Technique Guide, or ATG, because the most recent version is almost 10 years old and obsolete. Ms. Robertson estimated that a first draft of the new ATG could be ready for Chief Counsel review within the Department of Treasury by December 31st of this year. Anyone with ideas for content, format, etc., should send Grace an email at grace.f.robertson, R-O-B-E-R-T-S-O-N, at irs.gov. When ready, a draft will be released for public comment. 
On the subject of LHTC audits, Ms. Robertson reported that she had observed improved reporting of noncompliance and better identification of significant noncompliance issues. Of those cases chosen for audits, she said that 64% were selected based on information from Form 8823, while the other 36% were chosen for audit based on information from other sources. She also told her audience that audits were not necessarily selected for LHTC issues, nor did all cases involve LHTC property owners. Some were not-for-profit entities, developers, or investors, and their cases may have been selected for partnership issues, training purposes, or other reasons. Ms. Robertson said that 31% of audit issues involved first-year certifications, 20% involved technical or eligible basis, 19% involved disposition issues, 15% were related to units unsuitable for occupancy, 8% were related to properties no longer participating in the program, and 7% involved tenant or rent issues. The PowerPoint presentation that accompanied her remarks can be downloaded from www.ncsha.org. One of the hottest topics of the conference was the housing stimulus package making its way through Congress, specifically the LHTC modernization provisions. During the opening plenary session, Rick Goldstein of Nixon Peabody shared his enthusiasm about a vote to invoke cloture that passed in the Senate on Tuesday, June 24th. Mr. Goldstein said the vote was important for two reasons. First, it demonstrates the strong support in the Senate for the housing stimulus provisions that Congress has spent more than six months negotiating. And second, the 83-9 to vote represents a veto-proof majority in the Senate, which could become significant if the President follows through on his threat to veto the package. Speakers confirmed that the major issues that remain in resolving the housing stimulus negotiations were primarily the different positions on revenue raisers. Which brings us to our second topic, an update on the legislation to enhance the loan building tax credit and to extend renewable energy tax credits. The Senate on Tuesday, June 24th, voted 83 to 9, as Mr. Goldstein mentioned at the NCSHA conference, to invoke cloture, limiting debate on H.R. 3221, the housing stimulus bill. After the vote, Senate Banking Committee Chairman Christopher Dodd of Connecticut implored fellow lawmakers to limit any further amendments in order to facilitate a smoother process for passage of the housing stimulus package. The Senate's goal last week was to complete final action on the housing measure by Friday before beginning a one-week 4th of July recess. However, an amendment offered on Wednesday by Senator John Ensign of Nevada stalled the bill's progress. Senator Ensign's proposal would add the $6 billion package of renewable energy tax credit extensions that he and, and Senator Maria Cantwell of Washington introduced in April. This amendment poses an additional complication to the progress of the housing stimulus package by adding to the cost of the bill, which was already a central point of debate. Senate members had not fully paid for the bill's cost by including revenue-raising offsets. Before the addition of the $6 billion for renewable energy incentives to the total cost, House leaders were already looking for ways to pay for approximately $2.4 billion in costs to cover the housing provisions. At the time of this recording, Senator Ensign had not proposed any revenue raisers to offset the cost of the energy provisions. Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, also of Nevada, predicted last week that because of the complications presented by the amendment, the Senate is unlikely to take a final vote on the housing bill until later this month. But despite the delay, Senator Reid said the Senate will eventually approve the measure. In fact, some reports suggest that this delay could actually smooth the road later in the process, 
it could allow more time for Senate and House negotiators to settle their differences on the GSE and FHA pieces of the bill, the result of which could be an unmodified version of the bill being sent back to the House. Last week, Senate Majority Leader Reid said that a cloture vote would be held on July 7th when the Senate returns from their current holiday recess. The bill, once approved, will be sent to the House where lawmakers will attempt to reconcile it with their own housing stimulus provisions, which were approved in three separate bills. Once the House and Senate reach a compromise on the legislation, it would then be sent to the President, who has threatened to veto it based on objections to provisions he says amount to a bailout for irresponsible lenders and borrowers. The bill currently includes the $14 billion tax title offered by Senate Finance Committee Chairman Max Baucus of Montana and Ranking Member Charles Grassley of Iowa that we discussed in last week's podcast. Reports on the progress of the negotiations indicate the LHTC components of the package are not a point for any contention. As tax accountants and professionals like ourselves have had more time to analyze the LHTC portions of the Senate bill, we are identifying a number of areas where quick guidance from Treasury will be needed. Also, given the immediate effective date of so many of the provisions, state allocating agencies are beginning to spend considerable time analyzing how they will implement the various provisions. During one of our podcasts in the coming weeks, we will revisit the various provisions in the bill and some of the open questions regarding those provisions. If you've identified some open questions, please send us an email at cpas.novaco.com. Also, Novogratz Company is forming an LIHTC working group to analyze the proposed law and submit comments to Treasury regarding areas needing guidance. The LIHTC working group will also submit comments on the soon-to-be-released utility as well as the soon-to-be-released qualified contract Treasury regulations. Send me an email at michael.novogratz.novoco.com if you are interested in learning more about how to join the LIHTC Working Group. Meanwhile, the House on Wednesday passed a bill by a vote of 233 to 198 to provide a one-year relief from the Alternative Minimum Tax, or AMT, for most taxpayers. The measure was introduced on June 17th by House Ways and Means Chairman Charles Rangel of New York. As we discussed in last week's podcast, the cost of the AMT relief would be offset in part by taxing carried interests which could have an effect on LHTC partnerships, but the White House has issued a veto threat based on that offset strategy. Stay tuned to the Novogratz Report on Tax Credits for updates on the progress of the housing stimulus package. We will also post breaking news developments online at www.taxcredithousing.com, www.newmarketscredits.com, and www.energytaxcredits.com. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's report. Please join us again next Tuesday when we will discuss affordable housing news from California, including the progress of legislation to allow the bifurcation of state and federal long-term housing tax credits, as well as recent developments related to the $2.8 billion Proposition 1C affordable housing bond program. We will also discuss legislation introduced in New York to increase the state's historic rehabilitation credit. We'll also have lots of other tax credit news. This is Michael Novogratik. And I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.